Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome everyone to episode 47 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Allie here with Becky. Hey guys. And we have been delightfully overwhelmed. That's my mantra and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> delightfully overwhelmed with all things ketosis as of recent. Yes. So Allie is speaking at KetoCon um, over Labor Day weekend, and then we're also in the midst of launching our virtual ketosis program along with two new eBooks. Yes, I am honored and excited to be a part of KetoCon, which will be here in Austin, and I'll be lecturing with recognized experts in the field, a lot of my keto heroes. So there's going to be Maria Emrich and Dr. Will Cole, Jimmy Moore, and so many uh, well-known experts in the field. If you haven't heard about it yet and you're listening to this live or as we release it, you can go to ketocon.org and check it out and buy your ticket. You can participate in person or participate virtually. And I think by the time this episode posts, you should have a couple weeks or so to still get your tickets. I'll be there signing copies of my Naturally Nourished Cookbook, and I'll be lecturing on food as medicine approaches for a ketogenic diet, and then participating in a panel on cancer, and I think maybe another panel on podcasting. So it should be a blast. So cool. There's going to be so much goodness all in one place and packed into one weekend. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Delightfully overwhelmed is my mantra yes. again. <laughs> so today we're going to talk all about keto pitfalls. In addition to preparing for this event, uh, Becky and I are also working on launching our virtual ketosis program where we'll, we'll talk at the end of this episode, I think, more in detail about what that entails and some special offers for all of you listeners. But we've really been delving into the elements of the successes and the struggles of the Naturally Nourished Ketosis Program. So we've been running a weight loss program at my practice in the Houston area for over three years now, and we've had over a 1,000 different participants see successful outcomes. And if you're looking to learn more about what ketosis is, if this is new term for you, definitely check out prior episodes. I think, Becky, you, you had them Episode written down, right? 14 and 15 um, were part one and part two on ketosis. And then there's even another one on low glycemic versus ketosis, which is one of those kind of when you're trying to determine if ketosis is right for you or just a low glycemic diet. So those are all awesome resources to kind of wet your whistle or understand what some of these terms are. But today we really want to delve into ketogenic pitfalls or some of the things that we've seen as the greatest barriers or areas of drama or inability to get into ketosis or things that kick clients out of ketosis so that we can walk you through how to stay successful with your ketogenic diet. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in our keto program just troubleshooting with clients, like some of the common side effects and then also, okay, I'm not getting in or my weight loss has plateaued, let's figure out why. So we really wanted to break down for you guys um, 
our top five pitfalls that we normally see. Yes. So Allie, let, let's start with number one. What would you say is the first pitfall? So I think the first one is honestly being too obsessed with numbers. So when we talk about that, the first thing I would say is being weight obsessed. Uh, and you know, most people go into a ketogenic program for weight loss. There's many different therapeutic benefits. So the ketogenic diet can be therapeutic for dementia and prevention of Alzheimer's and a whole gamut of neurological conditions, things like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease. It can be very healing and soothing for the nerve function great for the immune system, healthy for leaky gut and things like PCOS and hormonal reset. So there's definitely people that do it for holistic health influence. But again, majority of people want that eat fat, get skinny, jump start to weight loss. And when we are weight obsessed, we can often get frustrated. And I say that there's a fine line between frustrated and effort. <laughs> and so we want to kind of battle between those two and be mindful that Muscle weighs more than fat. What's unique about a ketogenic diet is you do have some muscle sparing function when you are successfully keto adapted. And so the body should be losing from pure fat. There is generally a whooshing of weight loss in the first somewhere between three to 10 days of ketogenic process where you lose a lot of body water. So people tend to get really jazzed or pumped about like a, a five pound weight loss in that first week. But then they anticipate or expect to see that every week, and that's where they can get frustrated and, and fall off. So in our practice, we like to run body composition scans. We use a, a BIA machine, a bioelectrical impedance analysis, and that's going to run an impulse through the body looking at water, looking at muscle, looking at body fat, and the composition of that. And, and that really helps to give more qualitative information than just that number on the scale. Got it. So after that kind of three to five pounds, what could we expect to see just as a safe weight loss number? Not that we want to obsess too much. But... Right, right. So, you know, I, I think aiming for, and it really, it really depends, Becky, on where that starter is at, you know? So it's like if you have 60 pounds of weight to lose, you're going to have a totally different rate than someone who has over 100 pounds of weight to lose. And you're going to have a totally different rate than someone who has 15 pounds of weight to lose. But generally speaking, somewhere between one to four pounds a week is a reasonable expectation, again, with a great variance of amount of total weight loss to lose. I generally say a percent, one to two percent body fat loss, which I like to focus more on with individuals in a six-week, six to eight-week period of time. If you can lose one to two percent body fat, that's amazing progress. So okay, something yeah. definitely to look at. And the BIA scan then helps us really track that over time and, and stay consistent. Um, for sure. For sure. And so beyond numbers on the scale, the other element that I'd look at with obsession with numbers is your macros. So macronutrients are your carbs, protein, and fat. And when we're talking about a ketogenic diet, we're talking about typically getting 5% or less of your caloric distribution from carbohydrates and then somewhere around 25% from your protein, and then around 70% from fats. So this is the general distribution of your macronutrients. And yes, they are numbers, they're percentages, right? And then furthermore, sometimes with our individual clients, we'll have to give them gram distributions based on the calorie of, of what that would all look like. However, with that being said, we are not a calculator. You know, we're not this in and out calculation. We are this fine 
symphony of a chemical equation of our metabolic needs. And so, you know, becoming number obsessed with your macros can also lead to this kind of constriction and holding of body weight. I call it the tight bound rubber band effect in my practice where people get really neurotic. They are to the number, you know, calculating their amounts of grams of carbs in their bell peppers and whatnot. And yes, you do need to watch non-starchy vegetables. And yes, those can kick you out of ketosis, but releasing and, and releasing some of the stress element is going to be a big piece of finding peace within your body and what feels right. In the same sense, listening to your body and your hunger, right? Maybe you don't need the amount of grams on Monday that you did on Wednesday, and that's going to have to do with your output and your body's needs. So listening to your body and being a little bit more connected versus number obsessed tends to really help with that full-on hormonal reset, which is that, that communication and connection with the body teaching the mind what it needs to work. Got it. So we do recommend tracking though to an extent at least when you're getting used to this different lifestyle and what 30 grams of carbs look like um how do you recommend that participants track and are there different apps that you like or different um modes of tracking that that you prefer one over the other there's so many out there and i i typically use my fitness pal with a lot of clients but i will say there's tons of user error i was reviewing someone's food record a couple days ago and a piece of chocolate cake was not noted with any grams of carbs, which it should have had like 80 grams of carbs in it. (laughs) And so, you know, user error elements with a lot of these trackers are concerning. Um, There are like USDA trackers and uh, there's a bunch of programs out there. I always recommend starting with our exchange list that we have, our exchange list. And then we have a ketosis grocery shopping guide, which gives a list of foods that you can have unlimited and moderate amounts of. And then our protocol is going to tell you within those. So I really like starting with concept again, versus this mechanical calculator effect. But for people that like numbers and that rigidity, I I am okay with auditing and using macros, again, as a tool, but not as a necessarily solution. It's a learning tool. I, I really think conceptually working with, for instance, our protocol focuses on three days of intermittent fasting, four days off fasting, and on the intermittent fasting days, we have the non-starchy vegetables restricted to a half cup per day plus three cups of leafy greens. So it's conceptual, right? And then there's a bank of things that that can come from, examples of meals that that looks like. It just works, I think, a lot better also when you're planning your meals and living your real life to kind of check off a box versus having to add in all the nuances of ingredients. Got it. And so not to the extent of bringing a food scale to a restaurant or something like that. Right, right, right. Because this is supposed to be a sustainable lifestyle approach. And we need to figure out what a food is conceptually, right? So is this a non-starchy carbohydrate? Is this in my unlimited or a non-starchy carbohydrate foods? I'm sorry, non-starchy vegetables um, are going to be in the kind of moderate family. As I said, there is a portion that we need to stay within so that the body doesn't get too many of those residual carb grams. Got it. Whereas like the leafy greens would be more unlimited. Sure. Okay. So that's number one, being too obsessed with the numbers. What's number two? Number two is definitely the stress connection. So I'm in the process of writing a blog on cortisol and cortisol's ability to kick you out of ketosis. So cortisol is that primary stress hormone made by the adrenals. And there's two things that stress can do to get in the way of your ketogenic success. 
One is we go through a process called gluconeogenesis where the liver dumps sugar in this fight or flight reaction and response. So over time as your body becomes more and more keto adapted and you're not using glucose as fuel, that tends to lessen. But under significant distress, that is a survival mechanism and that dumping of sugar from the liver, even if it was not consumed at all in the diet in any way, shape, or form, can kick you out of ketosis. So that's something to watch. And I've even seen that clinically as a certified diabetes educator with people's hemoglobin A1C. I've seen some people that are very tight with their diet control. In fact, even maybe too tight, maybe those (laughs) macro calculator type people. And they're so distressed that their liver is dumping sugar out of their body. And that's what's creating that elevated blood sugar level. So definitely something to watch. And then taking, adding insult to injury, The cortisol itself has very anti-inflammatory, I'm sorry, has very pro-inflammatory influences. It it, it hinders the immune system. Um, It can hinder the inflammatory processes, but it can also drive insulin response. And then insulin drives inflammation and blood sugar shifts in the body. And so cortisol's role with insulin is interesting because when you are keto adapted, you should not be using insulin or, or requiring insulin because you're not using glucose to get the blood sugar into your cells. So when your stress hormone spikes, it can actually dump sugar from your liver and it can put you in this hyperinsulinemia or insulin spike, which can then drive dysglycemia or blood sugar imbalance. So that can drive weight gain. It can also, cortisol can also reduce your muscle mass and that can lower your metabolism over time. So definitely something to be mindful of. Got it. That's a lot. Um, How about the role of the adrenals and DHEA in ketosis? Yes. So that's another element there. And so DHEA is the intermediary building block to form ketone bodies. And so when I have a client that's been in ketosis for more than six months, I definitely like to assess their salivary levels of DHEA. And DHEA, again, is used to build ketone bodies. So if they have inadequate DHEA, not enough production by the adrenals, then they're going to need to supplement with DHEA to help with the production of ketone bodies because that could be a limitation to their ability to make ketones. On the other hand, like I said, it could be used for PCOS, the ketogenic diet as a therapeutic approach. Yes, when the DHA is too high in individuals, ketosis is going to be my number one recommendation because it is going to metabolize that DHEA to use that as a building block. Okay. And the way we would assess that DHEA, Allie? So you could assess that just on its own in, in a salivary okay. panel, but but I definitely would at that point probably be looking at a neurohormone panel. So either neurohormone complete for men or neurohormone complete plus for women. And um, that's going to be helpful as well because we like to look at, we talked I think two episodes ago about women's hormones and, and hormones in general. Remember that the body fat cells, those adipocytes, have hormonal or endocrine function. And so they tend to have estrogenic properties in the body. And so I like to assess, do we need to help the body during ketosis to detoxify excess estrogen that's been released from the fat? Or have they seen favorable influence in sexual hormone? And so checking in on estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, as well as the cortisol and DHEA is definitely a recommendation if we wanted a thorough assessment on that stress access and the influence on the body. And then and then the shifts with weight loss. Got it. And then what about strategies or supplements um, or lifestyle modifications within this, this stress topic um, to mitigate some of that? 
So the first, so so lifestyle, love Mark David, um, who's fantastic uh, and does so much with the psychology of eating. And he talks about the sacred nutrient O. <laughs> and nutrient O is oxygen. He actually looks at research studies of when we're breathing, how we metabolize. And we know that in, in the medical field, we talk about the respiratory rate, right? And that that's even more accurate to look at caloric output or burn even than a basal metabolic rate. So that respiratory quotient plays a huge role. Well, he talks about the nutrient O as far as deep breathing. And so focusing on relaxation and breath, it helps us to get back into that rest and digest mode, which helps to improve our nutritional absorption, also helps to reset the heart rate and helps to reset the metabolism so we burn calories more efficiently during mealtime when we breathe. So deep breaths, relaxation, meditation, positive mantras, all of that would be as far as a lifestyle strategy. And then a supplement that I would most definitely recommend would be our Adaptogen Boost. Our Adaptogen Boost is going to have a a balance of compounds that help the body to adapt to high stress without relying on the adrenals to put out those aggressive bells and whistles. So we're not getting that dumping of sugar into the bloodstream as dynamically. We're not going to be as hyper-reactive to stressors in our day-to-day function. And it also helps with energy from stress depletion. So it's called Adaptogen Boost, and it's a really fantastic blend of adaptogenic herbs. And and that's one that an individual could take preemptively without any of the advanced testing and just see how their body responds uh, and could be taken somewhere between two to four capsules a day, uh, kind of rise in 3 p.m. Got it. So stress is a big one. I know we could talk about this all day. I think that kind of even connects, you know, one and two are pretty tight. So the focusing on the numbers and obsession and stress are are pretty overlapped, but I wanted those as two separate things because I think it's such a big emphasis for sure. All right. So let's talk more about the food. What about excess protein consumption? Yes. So excessive protein is definitely something of concern. There's a process called transamination, and this is the body's ability to convert protein into glucose. So Brian Williamson, who's actually putting on this KetoCon, and he has the Keto Evangelist, I I definitely recommend his site as an awesome, awesome resource. Uh, For every 100 grams of protein that you consume, 56 grams can be converted to glucose. So that's why some people that are doing a high-protein diet, they can actually be kicking themselves out of ketosis. And this is not something that we'd be talking about as a free food. This is a moderate food. Again, remember, in your macros, 70% of your diet is coming from fat. So fat is really the only free food for successful ketogenic outcomes. Protein, we do have to watch. So we like to look in our clinic at the individual skeletal muscle mass and then do a particular calculation to get their exact grams need. But generally speaking, about 80 grams of protein is a good goal. And for some smaller women, they need less than 80 grams. Otherwise, they're going to be getting that glucose spilling that goes on. Got it. And there's more of that kind of nerdy, sciencey keto talk in episode 34, the one that you've recorded with Brian Williamson. Yes, yes. And uh, he has an awesome story about his son. He, he started the whole journey with his son who was dealing with seizures. And so it's, of course, a very, like I said, neurological therapeutic diet. But, but definitely keto, the cool thing about it is it's protein sparing. So it should hold your muscle, which should keep your metabolism elevated. So as you lose that weight to your weight loss goal, you should be burning fuel just as efficiently as you were when there was more of you to feed. So nutritional ketosis should keep protein in the body, whereas a high carbohydrate diet strips 
the protein out of your body and goes into muscle wasting mode. So that's definitely why we recommend ketosis as the go-to option for, for best weight loss approach. Got it. And just to reemphasize, Keto will be high fat, moderate protein. Yes. So it's yes, not a high protein diet. That's the difference of, you know, what we hear a lot of stuff from like the negatives of Atkins or unmonitored high protein diets, how they can be harsh on the kidneys. Mm-hmm. All of those things are really myths not associated with a therapeutic ketogenic diet. Got it. Okay. What about the role, Allie, of non-caloric sweeteners. So I see this one a lot and there's been an evolution, I guess, in recent years of what sweeteners are out there on the market and some being claimed are better than others maybe. Um, but which ones, how do they influence ketosis and, and what do you recommend if any? Yes. So I'm a big fan of when we do a ketogenic program with our clients, the focus in my mind is to break up with sugar for good, kick sugar to the curb. And I feel strongly that when we have non-caloric sweeteners, be them monk fruit, be them stevia, be them the more harmful ones like the saccharin and the sucralose and such, they do regardless of, of the structure of the molecule and the origin of the molecule. They have that Pavlov's dog effect of we taste sweet and we do have an influence with our insulin release. There's a lot of research out there about insulin resistance and lack of glucose tolerance when we do have non-caloric sweeteners. So there is that kind of salivary response like Pavlov's dog with the bell ringing for the meal where when we taste sweet, the body physiologically wants to respond to that sweet stimulation. And even if not all individuals respond that way, I will say, some individuals can stay healthy ketogenic. They don't go into the hyperinsulin, insulin dumping element with the taste of sweet, but some individuals do. So actually mechanically and biochemically, the non-caloric sweeteners don't work for everyone. On the behavior element, something to note is that it creates that perpetual craving for sugar. It's this unrealistic expectation of this is what sweet should taste like. And a lot of the non-caloric sweeteners are hundreds or thousands of times sweeter than actual sweeteners themselves. So it creates this false pretense of what sweet should taste like. So whenever we're doing things like fat bombs or keto coffee or even desserts, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes for desserts in our ketogenic programs, we are only channeling savory. So one of my favorite puddings is a can of full fat coconut milk, three tablespoons of raw cacao powder, and a half teaspoon of vanilla extract, sea salt, and then you blend that in the blender and you add a scoop of gelatin, you let it sit and you re-blend it and put it into ramekins. But there is no sweetener added. So I don't add a caloric sweetener. I also don't add a non-caloric sweetener. We just teach the body that cacao and that creamy coconut milk is sweet enough as it is. And that's where I see successful outcomes in more of our therapeutic programs is that people will say, I never knew that almonds could taste sweet or some of these really kind of what we wouldn't consider a sweet food, macadamia nuts, whole, whole fat macadamia nuts frozen in the freezer that are roasted and salted can taste so sweet once you're truly keto adapted and you're not tricking the body with those non-caloric sweeteners. So yeah, in our keto ebook, you won't be finding like half a cup of swerve or any of these artificial sweeteners. It'll just be things like vanilla extract and coconut and coconut shreds and almond extract. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I think that's the big mantra we have is channel savory because if you channel savory, then your perspective of sweet changes and it's not this forbidden fruit that you continue to perpetuate if you have those non-caloric sweeteners. 
And then I, I won't go big into this, but another concern I have that's been shown in some research, and it's it's varied on which ones are sterilizing or not, but there definitely are some studies on rats as well as human population with fecal testing, looking at the microbiome and the role of these non-caloric sweeteners on our microbia or our gut bacteria. So definitely something we always want to work for our body versus against it. So I want to avoid anything that's going to have that harmful sterilizing influence. But my biggest hit for that is, is really the behavior element and the breakup for good. Okay, got it. And then number five, let's talk about micronutrient deficiencies. Yes, so I'll highlight how about three is that good? That sounds good. <laughs> okay. So we're talking, first one is carnitine. And so carnitine, I, I think of first and foremost, we have a supplement we call Boost and Burn. And uh, this is a liquid supplement that has carnitine and ribose. And its focus is on boosting your metabolism and increasing your body's fat burn. Well, when we have deficiency of carnitine, carnitine, the carnitine shuttle in the body biochemically plays a role in converting body fat into fuel. And so this is something that if we're low in carnitine and we're using fat as fuel in keto, we're not going to be converting or building ketone bodies as efficiently from the body fat store that we would with someone that has ample carnitine. And carnitine, again, is on higher demand when you're using fat as fuel. And so getting ahead of the curve, um, I, we put all of our clients that do our program on the Boost and Burn supplement as a preemptive measure to support not only energy mechanisms, but also that conversion of body fat into fuel. And this is further supported carnitine by vitamin C, B5, your pantothenate, and niacin, your B3. And those B vitamins and vitamin C, again, play a big role with our stress access. So those can be further depleted for a stressed out individual. Got it, and so that boost and burn, that would be, what, one or two teaspoons pre-workout or in the morning? Pre-workout or at rise, yeah. Okay. So that's one that um, you can do on a fasting day or a non-fasting day. And absolutely, first thing in the morning, if you are doing a workout maybe around like 2 p.m. or something or over a lunch break, you could do it pre-workout. And that would be fine too because it, it does help with use of fat as fuel and the metabolic processes are upregulated during exercise. So that could be a good fit for that as well. Got it. And that would be even more helpful if we're experiencing any of that like keto flu or that transitional symptoms. Yes. And I, I have even some more nutrients to really focus on the, the yeah. keto flu stuff, which I think are, are even more, you know, day-to-day -day function. But yes, I think the fatigue elements of getting into keto, the, the boost and burn is a big one there. Or if you're not seeing the results on the scale and the body composition, that would be something that we'd maybe want to look into. And then secondarily, maybe then that, that DHEA. Okay. Got it. So carnitine. What about omega-3s? Let's talk a little bit about protein quality, fat quality, and how omega-3s tie in. Yes. So inflammation is essential, right? So if the body is chronically inflamed, even if you're eating the right macros, the, again, the distribution of carbs, protein, and fat, and you're calorie restricted, the body may be in this protective inflammatory bubble. And so if the body is inflamed, it's going to put a break on our metabolic processes and not, not going to be able to upregulate that catabolism or that breakdown, which creates the caloric burn and, and weight loss. So omega-3s are a big one that I really push for anti-inflammatory support. This is also to make sure that we're not getting our high-fat diet 
coming from unhealthy vegetable fats and polyunsaturated uh, fats, which are higher in the omega-6 scoring. So we want to watch and avoid all vegetable oils and soybean oil and uh, like any, any hybrid corn oils and things like that. And then even further, like you mentioned with protein, what is the animal that we're eating eating? <laughs> and so we look at grass-fed, a huge emphasis on grass-fed and wild-caught and clean proteins that do not have exposure to antibiotics, growth hormones, but really looking at their diet is going to make a big influence of that omega-6, omega-3 ratio. So your omega-6s are pro-inflammatory, your omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, and I recommend with healthy ketosis to supplement with a good quality omega-3 fatty acid as well because this is going to help to offset that ratio. And then an emphasis of eating wild fish at least two to three times a week. And if you're doing beef and pork, which I would recommend, uh, you should definitely be looking at pasture-raised or grass-fed to help to offset that ratio. And you'd want grass-fed, grass-finish. There's research looking at the vanishing levels of omega-3s when they take the cows from pasture to a feedlot for that last couple weeks to fatten them up before slaughter. And that really vanishes those anti-inflammatory fats and fills up the, the omega-6 pro-inflammatory fat. It's wild that that shift can happen in just a couple of weeks too sure on green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, what supplement would you recommend for oh, an omega-3 yeah. rich supplement? So we'll put all these in the show notes. So the, the one that I'd recommend here is EPA DHA Extra. It has a really great ratio of 860 milligrams of EPA and 580 milligrams of DHA. So you are getting, and that's in two capsules. So you're getting a really nice distribution of over 1.2 uh, grams of pure EPA DHA omega-3s. A lot of fish oils out there on the market, you want to make sure that they're third-party assessed for pure and toxicity, uh, a lot of contamination of concern, things like mercury and uh, different xenoestrogens and compounds we can see now in the water as far as toxicity. But we also want to make sure that what we're taking is pure fish oil and that the fillers are not pro-inflammatory. We saw a research study out last year on some of the fish oil sold at a big store, a, a big label store, I won't say the name, and it had soybean oil in it. Again, so the individuals taking it were taking it for omega-3, but actually getting higher omega-6 from that filler soybean oil. So you want to make sure the carrier oil is quality and or has no carrier at all. Our, our fish oil does not have any carrier. It's pure EPA, DHA, and then the marine fatty lipid concentrate to help to give that full spectrum support. Got it. All right. Last one. Let's talk about electrolytes and alluding back to that keto flu that we were talking about. Yes. So like Becky said, keto flu is this thing where we can get headache, uh, vertigo, um, also aches in the body, cramps. And this is often because the electrolytes can get thrown off in a ketogenic diet. So we definitely, you know, when we think of the word carbohydrate, it has the word hydrate in it. And so when you go very low carbohydrate diet, you really wring all of that fluid out of the body. And the areas of the body that regulate your electrolytes, your kidneys and your colon, play a difficult role of getting that recalibration. So you want to help to provide more of the electrolytes, also with ample fluid and hydration status. So we want you to keep drinking half of that body weight and fluid ounces of water. And, you know, so if you're 
150, we want you getting 75 fluid ounces of water, but we also don't want you just getting pure water because that can further dilute these electrolytes and throw that even further off because again, your body's not holding water. So it's just kind of this washing and, and really reducing and that can drive hypokalemia or too low of potassium in the body. That can also drop your magnesium, your salt, your calcium as far as its function as an electrolyte goes. And so the electrolyte formulas are things to consider adding salt liberally to your foods, and that's something we definitely do in our ebook, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. Um, salt also supports the adrenals, which play a big role. When we're in adrenal fatigue, we need higher amounts of sodium. Getting enough of our citrus as far as just an acid, like lemon juice in, in water with uh, lemon. We have an oral rehydration solution we talked about last episode with balancing beverages. And so adding lemon and salt is a great way to balance out those electrolytes. And then um, even looking at some of the different electrolyte packs, um, I don't have any direct to recommend. Just just watch out for carbohydrates to be in those packs because a lot of, of course, things like Gatorade are going to have the uh, fructose sugars and then the zero Gatorade has the artificial sweeteners. So really just a clean electrolyte pack would be my recommendation uh, to help to keep that all stable and making sure that your water you're consuming has salt and uh, lemon or some form of citric acid added to it to help to keep that in balance. Got it. And then water infusions would be another good way to get that citrus and maybe add a pinch of salt there as well. Yeah. So adding in your spa water, even um, with your coconut uh, flakes and some uh, cut up cucumber could be a really great way to get that balance. Coconut water can be a little bit high carb, but you could dilute it with a ketogenic diet and that could work all right for a good electrolyte re-stabilizer as well. And then, oh, last thing as far as, I guess I do recommend one product, Um, the Relax and Regulate powder uh, that we carry has uh, magnesium glycinate. So this is very helpful if we see electrolyte shifts in the colon causing also constipation. Uh, This is a type of neuromuscular relaxing form of magnesium, so it doesn't pass through the body as uh, much as like a magcitrate would. The magglycinate is more neuromuscular, so it helps with that peristalsis, that pumping of the GI tract can help with bowel regularity, which can then in turn also help with electrolytes. And that can help also with some of the big kind of Charlie horse cramps and and muscle uh, issues and concerns. Got it. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, And I know we said we'd have five pitfalls. I just don't want to get people out of here without talking a little bit about fasting. So let's let's make it six and let's just touch briefly on fasting. Yes. And we're going to do an episode down the line. I think it's a couple episodes from now on specifically intermittent fasting. So I alluded to it when I talked about the structure of our protocol being three days fasting, four days not. Fasting is a great way to teach the body further how to use fat as fuel. It also increases your human growth hormone, which increases that that's that HGH diet trend that a lot of people were doing, right? Well, this actually organically increases your body's output of HGH, which is going to help your metabolic processes. It helps with insulin sensitivity. It helps a lot with neurological and cognitive influences on the body as well. But what's exciting about ketosis is going at least 16-hour periods of time This allows the body to further go into the body and use fat as fuel. So what we might do is cut off our eating at 8 p.m. and then not start eating until noon the following day. So we'd have 12 hours under our belt by 8 a.m. I recommend generally consuming just pure fat in the form of keto coffee or doing a fat bomb. 
And uh, these are ways that we can consume pure fat without any of those residual carbs, without any protein compounds, so it does not kick us out of fasting. And that helps the body to go deeper into the fat stores to use fat as fuel. Now, some people, and we'll talk about this in that future episode on using fat bombs and if that's a true fast or whatnot. But in my ketogenic protocol, that's a tool that I like to use. It can start, it can stave off your hunger, kind of hold over your appetite and help the body to go deeper into your fat stores for metabolism. And the fat bombs would just be a blend of grass-fed butter and coconut oil. And then maybe we'd add in some of those savory um, spices and herbs that we were talking about. So maybe something like a little bit of vanilla extract and a pinch of cinnamon. And I'll link to a couple of our recipes. We've got one with um, cacao and mint as well. So you're getting yes. a little bit of flavor with your fat, not just pure coconut right, oil. Right, right. I mean, you can take just a tablespoon sure. of MCT oil, but I really like to do the uh, virgin coconut oil and grass-fed butter to get the benefits of those whole foods. That's the difference, you know, of our therapeutic ketosis program is using still food as medicine and getting therapeutic benefits. So like Becky said, adding in actual cinnamon, we're also supporting that insulin sensitivity in the body, which is going to help furthermore with that visceral fat, the shift in the body metabolism that we'd like to see moving that fat from the stuff that lines the organs closer, uh, which is more disease risk oriented. Definitely. Okay. So let's summarize. So we had six pitfalls, not five. Yes. I'll have so to adjust our show notes a little bit. That's okay. So <laughs> the first two, you know, being too obsessed with numbers, right? So releasing the numbers and focusing on the experience. How do you feel? How grounded is your mindset? Where are your cravings at? Are you truly hungry, right? These are all things of being intuitive with your ketogenic process. And also releasing the obsession with the scale there, right? So non-scale victories are a big thing we like to look at with clients. The second thing we talked about is being too stressed. So allowing for relaxation and deep breath, considering that adaptogenic boost formula if you are someone that is stressed and wired or stressed and tired and needing that support for fatigue or that chronic stress demand because cortisol can throw us out of ketosis with that blood sugar dumping and then too low of DHEA, which is that stress responding compound, can also prevent us from getting into successful ketosis as that's a essential building block to make ketone bodies. The next thing we talked about was that fancy word transamination. Too much protein can convert into glucose. So definitely allowing the body to be highest in fat and being moderate with our protein consumption. Somewhere around 60 to 80 grams is probably the sweet spot for most of you listening. We talked about non-caloric sweeteners and how we want you to break up with sugar for good. So we don't want you having that ding-dong bell of the the ding-dong ditch of the taste of sweet but not receiving any sweetener because that's only going to perpetuate the cravings and help you uh, kind of not help you, I guess, with breaking up with sugar. We want you to channel savory. So focusing on savory and the simplicity of natural sweet in the uh, non-sweetened foods and kind of redefining your relationship with what sweet is 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 really, I think, the take-home there. And then I identified some micronutrient deficiency trends, so carnitine, omega-3 fatty acids, and then, of course, your electrolytes and salt as big things that can play a role with preventing ketogenic symptoms that can lead to then falling off. 
and then not fasting. So focusing on that discipline of getting those 16 hours to teach the body hormonally to go into those metabolic processes, up that HGH, and go deeper into the body fat as a fuel source. So I think a lot of things to think about and work through if you have started ketosis. And Becky, do you want to talk to listeners a little bit about some of the resources that we have available? And um, then I can maybe talk about our exciting program we have coming up. Yes. So... Like we said, episodes 14 and 15 will give you a much deeper foray into ketosis and what this actually is and what we're talking about here. This is just kind of a troubleshooting episode. Um, and our virtual ketosis will really be where where we're going to flush all of this out in much, much, much more detail. So that'll include things like six webinars, supportive handouts. I hope you guys can't hear the thunder. Thunder, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Thunder happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, supportive handouts, worksheets. Um, we'll go through a customizable protocol and access to a private Facebook group, as well as the two ebooks that we were talking about. We've got one that's a recipe driven ebook. So that's Eat Fat, Get Skinny with 50 plus ketogenic recipes. And then the science of skinny that outlines more of our protocol. And, and we and the renamed that. I, I messed up the show notes. It's called Ketogenic Kickstart, which is our <laughs> protocol. Yes. <laughs> so it's Eat Fat, Get Skinny and the Ketogenic Kickstart, which is going to be our protocol. So one is, like Becky said, 50 plus recipes on what ketosis tastes like and how you can not just survive, but thrive and enjoy the abundance of ketosis. And then the ketogenic kickstart is going to be the protocol of actually the nuts and bolts of how to become keto adapted, how to monitor your outcomes and the protocol, the instructions and rules and guidelines. But both of those are included with our virtual ketosis program if you get the bundle package. And we're super stoked to offer this. We're going to be launching it after Labor Day. So depending on when you're listening, the uh, landing page is being built right now on the website. So I don't know if it'll be up when this goes live, but keep watching. And it will be on um, under our Books and Programs tab on AllieMillerRD.com. And it'll be backslash virtual ketosis. Again, it's a virtual program that's going to go over 12 weeks, six different classes, customizable worksheets, a bunch of different handouts, I think 15 different handouts, and then these two ebooks. And all of the webinars are going to be interactive live webinars with me and then Becky and I are both going to be monitoring this private Facebook group so a great portal for community support throughout the process which will only be for people that are participating in the program so we are offering this for a limited time it is a value of over $200 and we're offering this for a limited time I'm sorry it's a value of over $450 uh, we used to run our program in-house at $399 and so this is a high value product that we're doing for $99, um, limited time. Um, the product is actually going to be $199, but we're going to run this first program at $99. So awesome savings and I think great value added, whether you are a keto pro or a keto newbie or just keto curious, this could be an awesome resource for you. And again, it's at AllieMillerRD.com backslash virtual ketosis and limited time offer of $99 for all that stuff. And then one more way to just get kind of a taste of this before jumping into the full program and before it's fully launched, actually, um, would be through our ketosis webinar. So I'll also link to that in the show notes. And we'd like to offer listeners today 50% off of that webinar. So our code for 50% off will be... Keto 50. <laughs> Keto 50. 
All right. I know, build as we go, yes. So thanks so much for listening, you guys. Hopefully we identified at least one or two new areas to troubleshoot for you with your ketogenic journey. And as we said, stay tuned for what's to come with our virtual ketosis program. As always, if you are enjoying the show, please put a kind review on iTunes and ask any questions you have at the Ask Allie box at the bottom of our podcast page on AllieMillerRD.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.